So we've been going through um, Nehemiah and Ezra, our summer series. And when I say summer series, I mean last summer, you may have noticed. And it did not last the summer. It went through the whole year. And I think we're going to wrap it up here in the next couple weeks. We will, to be fair. Uh, But we're going to take a break from that this week. I feel like um, today I wanted to address uh, just what happened this week with this another violent shooting. Um, I think it's sometimes I think the church, we can be, um, I don't know, we can just throw out like some Christian phrases that actually don't have any meat to them. You know, it's like, what do we do with this when, when this happens again? Um, and we're not going to take this from a political approach, but when you see what happens on the news, it's like the church, we, we, I think it's, we're doing a discredit when we just show up and nothing changes, Right that we show up and sing the same songs. And, and it's like stuff like this, we have to push pause and say, hey, we gotta talk about this. We have to address this, you know? And the world, remember, the world is constantly confused and looking for answers, and the church should provide clarity. We should, okay? That doesn't mean we have all the answers, but that does mean that we should be able to look at what's going on in the world and, and bring some clarity um, into the, the madness uh, that's going on. So honestly, this week, I was like, I really don't want to talk about this, but I, I feel like we're supposed to because we need to address what's happening. You know, we, we can't just throw out and say, oh, our thoughts and prayers are going towards you. Well, it's like, okay, I mean, that's, what, what does that even mean, you know? And so um, I wanted to uh, at least address that, and we're, we're going to look in Second Timothy chapter 3, and I want to point out what I'm going to do is it, it may just be like a, <laughs> it may just be like the twilight zone. You remember that that, they, that at the beginning they'd say, "Hey, I can't I can't provide any answers. All I can do is show you the problem," or something like that. And so, uh, and what we'll talk about for just a minute is people can't even agree on the problem. Have you noticed that? By the way, everyone's looking for a solution, but they're arguing different problems. Uh, but we'll get that to a second. So, um, I saw years ago online it was this thing that it said, and I. Man, th- this is true. If you're, if you're old enough, what I'm about to say you'll agree with 100% is that um, strong men create good times. Have you heard this? <clears throat> strong men create good times. Good times, you know what they make? They make weak men. And then weak men make hard times. And hard times create strong men. And the cycle repeats itself, Right? And, and so right now, as I look at my generation, I'm, I'm still young, I'm 38, but I've seen in my lifetime, I was born into really pretty good times, you know? Um, things weren't perfect, but things were pretty good. And I've seen in my generation, and you can disagree with me if you want, that's okay. In my generation, I have watched men become weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And you can even watch even in our culture, that, that we're trying to even say there's no such thing as men and women. We're trying to get rid of that and, and just like mush everyone together that there's no distinction between male and female. And I've seen in, in my lifetime that the role of men and what it means to be a man become blurrier and blurrier and blurrier. And I've, I've just watched men become weaker and weaker and weaker. Why is that? This is the cycle, man, because I've lived in good times. And what do good times create? They make weak men. They do. And and we're starting to see. We're on the cusp of turning this corner. What do weak men create? 
they make hard times, right? We're, we're about to turn that corner. I'm, I'm just, I'm expecting it. I hope I'm wrong. I may be wrong. Who knows? But we are watching weak men, and, and as a result, we're watching the American family get weakened and weakened, and so as a result, families are falling apart, and as a result, we're heading into, I believe, we're going to have some really hard times ahead of us, guys, right? But, but I trust in the idea that those hard times will create strong men. You know, like I think of, um, I think of my grandma, like that, that lady, she was a tough old gal. Like she, she loved well, but she was tough. She was from that generation that went through the Great Depression. She went through the hard times and hard times create what? Strong men and strong families. And so she was one that like into her 60s and 70s, she used to drive a truck. She would mow her own yard. You know, that's like she was this lady that she was tougher than the average uh, man today, I believe, you know. And then today, we, you know, we've got today it's just a mess. But I believe that's where we are in this, uh, in this, um, in this cycle. And, and I don't have to sit here and try to convince you that things are getting bad out there, do I? Like, I hope I'm not saying this and some of you are like, what? I don't believe, what, are you kidding me? Like, all you have to do is pay attention that much. Yeah. And, and I don't even watch the news, I really don't. I don't watch the news, but if you pay attention that much, you cannot look at me and say, oh yeah, things are going pretty well. Man, things are not, and things are looking worse. And one of the, I think one of the most foolish things we can do is, is just look at each other and say, hey, it'll get better. And, and we'll probably say something about Jesus, or we'll probably say something about God, and we'll say, hey, don't worry, it'll get better. And, and let me stop you in your tracks. Hey, where is that promised that things are going to get better? Where is that promise? I don't see that anywhere. That's a, that's a, that's a hope, right? Like, and I'm with you. I, I hope things get better, but the, I think that's a false hope. And, and this is why, as believers, make sure your hope is not in things, and look at me, getting better. Because what we're about to look at is I believe, guys, things are going to get a lot worse. And I hate, I hate to say this. Like, like, what do we do with this? Like, the, this, I mean, just in the past 10 years, you, you've watched violence on the rise. You've watched shootings on the rise. You watch the American family just disintegrate. You've watched the idea of manhood been, been disassembled. We, you've watched... Um, fathers be replaced with government programs. You're watching to where people are saying, hey, you don't need a man in the house anymore. I mean, you're watching all this. You're watching the church get watered down. You're watching deep theology get watered down to where no one gets offended, you know? And, and you, you, you're watching all of this garbage. And here's what I believe, guys. It's going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse, Right? And so I'm just thinking about this in light of even this week that a kid goes in and just shoots up dozens of people. And it's like, what do we say about this? And I want to be, be very sensitive. I know that God heals the brokenhearted. I know that God is here, that he's there. I know that God has a plan for this. But we cannot just stand here and say, oh, things will get better. Because guys, I think they're going to get worse. Right? Why is that? Because we are getting what we deserve. We are a world, I would say country, probably both, of just weak men. And weak men make hard, hard times. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. He's going to describe this 
I mean, this is, this is Paul writing to Timothy. This is Paul in prison. He's not under house arrest. So this is his final uh, letter that Paul sends out chronologically before he dies. And so these are his last words to his protege, uh, Timothy, that he spent years and years with. We met Timothy last week, if you remember. Uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy my chapter title says, Godlessness in the Last Days. Does y'all say something similar to that? Yeah? Yeah or no? Yes? No? Okay. Man, rowdy bunch today. Awesome. <laughs> so, you don't have anything? Okay. And remember, those chapter titles, those are not inspired. Those are not original inspired of the Holy Spirit. They were added later, but they're usually pretty helpful. Okay? So, let me just read this. So, this is Paul talk, talking to Timothy. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. And, and uh, this is now, by the way, guys. I'm just going to read through this and then we'll go back and pick it apart. He says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Look at the next word. Ungrateful, unholy. You see how he puts those two right next to each other? My gosh. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. So go back and start just in verse in verse 2, look at the way he's describing these last days, and you'll realize they're just today. He says, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, ungrateful. Like when he's describing the worst possible scenario, like he uses the word ungrateful right? It, shouldn't he be talking about murderers and, and, and thieves, right? Shouldn't he be talking about those people? And then he throws out this word, ungrateful, right? Is anyone not in that category, by the way? You don't have to raise your hand, right? I mean, how strange is that that he, just, that he says, this is one of the worst things we can do is walk through life being ungrateful. And so I've started, uh, I guess weeks ago, I think the Lord just kind of put this on my heart and mind, is if you're like me, I'm a complainer, and I love to point out what I don't have, right? And, and I contend to, especially in this culture, guys, that the, the person next door has a bigger house or the nicer truck or the better this or, the, or the, the better that, and we can spend our whole lives being ungrateful for what we don't have. And so this is what I've started doing. Have you ever, this is my question, have you ever in your prayer life stopped asking for things and just and just been thankful for what God's done do you want to be challenged in your prayer life start just start just praying prayers of thanksgiving right are you bored in your prayer life which by the way you should be if you're bored that's the Holy Spirit saying it's time to go deeper I hope that you're bored with your prayer life. I hope that you're bored with God's Word because that's the Holy Spirit saying it's time to dig in deeper, friends, right? And so if our prayer life is, Jesus, um, I, I pray that I don't get sick. Jesus, I pray that keep me safe on my travels. Jesus, I, I pray that this is better, that that's good. Have you noticed it's just gimme, 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 gimme. Have you all noticed that, right? Versus an actual prayer life of, Lord, just 
just thank you. Like, my gosh, just thank you. You give, you have given so much more than we need. And I think the Lord is going to be pushing us into what it means to be grateful. Who knows what's going to happen in the next six months? Who knows? You know? But I'm thinking the times in my life I'm most grateful are the times that we have the least. Because that's when I realize, man, God has provided everything that we need. Uh, He goes on, he says, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Right? Man, this describes our world. Right? Right now, um, the idea of self-expression in our culture is so much more value than self-control. Does anyone else see this? I'm going to repeat that. We, 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 um, uh, we put on a pedestal people who, oh, they're just expressing themselves rather than, oh, look at this, look at this guy's self-discipline or self-control. Where do they learn that? Well, we do it for, with kids. You know what I mean? That, that you'll see children that will do anything and everything they want and, and what do the parents say? What does our culture say? He's just expressing himself, right? Like I can watch this. I've seen this in the past couple weeks. I mean, uh, in person, like a, a child, his mother telling him, hey, come back here. And I, I watched this happen over and over and over. And the kid ignores the mom, looks back at him and smiles and walks away, absolutely being disobedient the authority in his life. And what does the mom say? She says, he, he's, just, he's just got that spirit in him, doesn't he? No, he, he's, uh, one, he's completely disobeying you, right? Oh, look at how he expresses himself. He's such a stinker. I'm like, if that was my kid, like, no, right? Where do they learn this? This is where they learn it, right? And look, just look for it in our culture. We value self-expression more than self-control, right? Well, he's just expressing himself, right? Man, and, and a kid, well, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say this. A kid can take a gun and shoot up two dozen people, and we can say, well, he's just expressing himself. Like, how dark is our world? If, if we're living by that standard, he's just expressing himself. Man, and, and this is what Paul says, this is, that's a dark dark world to live in. Uh, the other day I was at work and I was working on the back of someone's house and I was working on like some porch thing and I was only there for about an hour. Okay. And so I pull up and it's getting pretty hot and I was by myself. And when I get there, from the minute I get there, I start noticing like I'm hearing this screaming, like this kid just screaming. And it kind of was a little muffled. And I was like, I guess some kid's upset somewhere doing something. And this, it's just in a neighborhood, you know, the houses are real close together. Um, and so then I try to tune it out and then I keep going and I'm like, still hear this just screaming. I mean, this wailing like a banshee. And I'm like, what is going on here? Right. And I'm going back and forth between my truck and the back of the house. And I'm, I'm starting to look around I'm like, what is this? And I finally realized the screaming is, is coming from inside this minivan across the street. And so I'm like, is, and so I'm thinking to myself, is there a kid locked in this car or something or whatever? And so the long story short is this kid was losing her mind screaming at this mother and and the mother had the minivan door open and she was just sitting there watching her and, and letting her throw her temper tantrum okay and so listen I'm, I'm 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 a parent of kids too there's times when you let your kids scream 
Like I mean it, you know? So all you that don't have kids yet, don't judgy eyes me. I see y'all back there. There's times when your kid is screaming, and there are times when you say, okay, get it out. And, and, you, and you sit there and you watch them, right? Parents in the room, we've all done it, right? Don't evade me with your eyes. Like you've all done it. There's times you say, okay, scream it out. Okay, a couple minutes. Guys, 60 minutes later. I'm not exaggerating. 60 minutes later later. You're like, well, Russell, how do you know? Oh, believe me. I was watching. I know. Guess what? The kid is still nonstop screaming. And the mom's just sitting there. And I'm, I'm like, it is getting under my skin. I'm like, I can't be here. I've got to be out of here. Right? Guys, this is, and, and we wonder why, we, <laughs> why our culture is such a culture of weak men, is you have adults that do the same thing. We're raising up a generation that screams and screams, and we say, well, he's just expressing himself rather than actually teaching and learning, and and young men and women in the room, rather than submitting ourselves under the authority of another godly man or another godly woman, or submitting ourselves under the authority of, of, of God's word, right? We scream and we express ourselves, and, um, and then the story goes, uh, and, I, and finally, another car pulls in, and it's dad. And I think, okay, good, it's over. What does dad do? Guys, I'm, I'm not making this up. He does nothing. He unloads the car and goes inside. And I'm like, what is happening? This is why, this is why Paul says, man, in the, in the last days, people will be absolutely without self-control. Right, And so start looking for it. That's what our culture does. We value self-expression over self-control or self-discipline. You know, um, keep going. He says, brutal lovers, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse five, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Honestly, if I could describe like East Texas in one Bible verse, I think that would probably be it. And I'm not trying to be mean or funny. I'm just saying like East Texas, we have a, there's a form of godliness here, isn't there? Yeah, this is a very religious culture. And listen, I like it here. I've been here for decades. I love the people. Um, I, well, I hate the weather. I was going to say I like the weather. That's not true at all. I hate the weather, right? But you understand a culture cannot be Christian. You understand that, right? There's no such thing as a, there's a religious culture. And if I was going to say, hey, pick out one verse that describes East Texas. That's it. It's a form of godliness, but we, we deny the power of God 100%, right? That we have all these Christian sayings that we say, or these, you know, these, these t-shirts that we wear, or we just go do the right thing. But if you pay attention, man, this place is just as messed up as any other. Our sin just looks different than Chicago's, right? I mean, we, we are so materialistic, right? We are lovers of ourselves. We are lovers of money. We are boastful. We are proud. And where am I getting this list? Oh, that's right. Right there, right? (laughs) I'm not making this up, right? Um, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Another story from work, like it, I'm starting to just get this, like, I guess this holy discontentment because what I do for work is I go in and I build things and I remodel bathrooms and I remodel kitchens. And it's like, you understand nothing what I do is needed. Y'all follow me? I, I am unnecessary. 
and, and I'm starting to, the more, I, the more I do this, the more I almost feel like, like almost disgusted with myself, with what I'm doing. Because I've literally gone into kitchens. Listen, I have torn out granite countertops to put in granite countertops. I, I have spent thousands of dollars tearing up tile floors to install, who can guess, tile floors. I have torn out so many perfectly functional showers to install a what? Perfectly functional. Now, it looks prettier, right? But do you see, oh, and all the while, by the way, in these houses, they have, the, you know, they'll have the little plaques that says hashtag thankful or hashtag blessed. Do you see how this is, do you see how I'm, I'm starting to get disgusted at this, Right? Do y'all see what's going on? And, and it's these people that, that talk about how blessed we are, and, and they, right here, they have a form of godliness. You know, we talk about, oh, I'm so thankful what God's provided. Man, God has really provided. Man, the Lord Jesus, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, we deny its power, and it's this kitchen, get rid of it. This can't go on Pinterest. Get rid of this garbage, you know? Man, this is, ah, this is our world. We have a form of godliness, but we deny its Power. I can't be happy here. Look at, look at this tile. Look at it. This is from the 90s. You know, it's like, the 90s. How could, how could I be content with this shower? You know, and it's like, ah. So just pray for me because I'm still doing this. And I'm, it's funny because I'm finding myself more and more as I work. Like people are like, oh, what tile should I use? And I, in the back of my head, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't care. I don't care. I just pick a tile. You know what I mean? And, and anyways, if there was a verse that described our culture, that's it. Form of godliness, but denies its power. And then look, he says, have nothing to do with them. Verse six, they're the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Look at verse seven. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. That, that's our world. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. You know, this is the one that if we could just get more information, if we could just understand, you know, and, and you'll see this all the time because it's this false idea that if we could just get the numbers or the data or the statistics on this thing, and, and let's stick with the elephant in the room, like all week I've seen statistics on AR-15s. Anyone else? All week I've seen statistics on school shootings in the United States versus other places. All week I've seen statistics on mental health. All week I've seen this. And, and do you understand that all we're doing is we're learning, but we will never acknowledge the truth. Do you want to know what the truth is? Is that we are wicked and perverse generation. Do you want to know the truth? What's the problem? We are the problem right? It's like the man or the woman that's been married six times and they can't figure out what's wrong with all these other people. And they don't see the common denominator is who? Them. That, like, let me read that verse. Always learning but never able to acknowledge, guys, we're the problem. We need Jesus, right? And, and here's the truth. Like our hearts are deceitful above all else. That's just Jeremiah talking. That's not me. Uh, here's the truth is that we are our own God. 
And by the way, here's the truth. And I'm, I'm not political. I don't get political. But let me just point out what has happened here. Do you want to know what the truth is? Is we have demanded God leave our families. We have demanded God get out of our schools. We have demanded that God get out of our churches, honestly. And, and what does he do? He says, okay. Right? So, so you want to know the truth is that God has handed us over to ourselves. That's the truth. Go to Romans 1 real quick. We'll just look at this fast. I reference it a lot, but I want to make sure that you see it. Romans chapter 1. Just flip left real quick. Do you want to know the wrath of God being poured out on mankind? Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So men are without excuse. Okay, so he says the wrath of God is being poured out. Let's look how he describes God's wrath. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for the images made to look like man and birds and animals and reptiles. So do you remember I said, hey, here's the truth. The truth is we are our own God. The truth is idolatry. The truth is that we have replaced the God of the universe with ourselves. Look at how he describes God's wrath being poured out. Verse 24. What's the first word right there? He says, therefore, look, God, what does it say? Gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And then he lists on and on and on. And what's the problem with that? He just said our hearts have been darkened. Right? And so, um, look at, sorry, go back to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll finish this up real quick. He says, verse 7 says, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Okay, so now Paul is actually going to tell Timothy, hey, here's, here's what you should do with it. Verse 10, he says, you, however, that's Timothy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Verse 12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Look at verse 13. While evil men and impostors will go from, what's it say? Bad to what? Worse. Deceiving and being deceived. So you remember earlier I said, hey guys, I think it's going to get worse. I hope I'm wrong. 
And I, I kind of said that's my opinion, but it's kind of not. Because look right there. He says, hey, it's just going to get worse. And then look at verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from who you learned it. That's from his mom and his grandmother. And from, how, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for everything. So I love after all that, he says, hey, here's the whole point. Here's the purpose of this. To summarize, he says, hey, in the end, these terrible things are going to happen. And, and then he says this, and by the way, Timothy, it's not going to get better. It's probably going to get worse. Why is that? Because God has given man over to his depraved heart. And then he says, here's what I want you to do, Timothy. He says, continue in what you know. He says, continue in what... And think, remember this, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He's saying, hey, Timothy, remember the things we went through. Like, remember the things that you watched me do. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, remember the years we spent together. You watched me get persecuted. You watched me suffer. You watched me in the highs and lows. He says, remember those things so that you will be completely equipped. Equipped for what? For what's coming, right? Whether it be good or bad. Again, I hope I'm wrong. But so that you will be ready for what's coming. I don't know what's coming. I don't. But I'm at least intelligent enough to see the writing on the wall. Are y'all paying attention a little bit? Right? I mean, y'all know, y'all are watching inflation, right? You're, you're watching food supply, right? You're watching gas prices, right? I'm assuming you're intelligent enough to know that, that something has to give at some point, right? You, you can't keep building up an empire on straws and not expect something's going to fail at some point. Are y'all with me? And I'm not a scared, you know, gloom and doom guy, but I'm at least realistic and I'm at least intelligent enough to see, hey, something's going to happen, right? And, and, and I'm at least intelligent to know, enough to know you can't just keep printing money and handing it out saying, hey, everything's better. I'm at least smart enough to know it doesn't work that way, Right? And so when Paul says, hey, do these things so that you're ready, ready for what? For what's coming. Because this is what I know, is no matter what happens in the next three months, six months, ten years, here's what I know, is God will provide through His church. Do you hear me? God will provide through His church, right? And so this is why Paul says to Timothy, he says, hey, this is what I want you to remember. Remember what? The things we went through, man. Like he says, the things that you and I encountered together, right? And so right now, you're going to start seeing the world. I, this I can promise. You're going to start people, see people start to panic and isolate themselves. Are you all seeing this as well? And people are starting to panic and they're starting to hoard up on, let's buy more guns. Let's buy lots of food, <laughs> toilet paper. Do y'all know there's a thing as a bidet? So I don't mean to be the, like, yeah, like, y'all know that exists, right? Um, but you're, you're going to see a world isolate themselves and try to build up their own little kingdom. Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like doomsday preppers. Or God's plan is saying, hey, I'm providing everything you need to the church. 
right? And it's been pretty cool. If you, if you pay attention in our church, like God provides what we need. Like I know there, like I've got so many examples. There have been times in our church where like someone needed baby clothes and dude, we, ha- we have passed on baby clothes like to the third and fourth generation, haven't we? You know what I mean? And, and there have been times in our church when someone has says, hey, I, like, I'm not making this up, where someone's like, I need a car. And this person says, I have a car. And this person says, just take the car. We'll just sign the note, right? I, I've seen times in our church where this family is saying, hey, finances are really tough. And this family is saying, hey, finances are great. And this family says, here, just take the money. I'm not making these up right? There have been times in our church um, that, and I don't have his permission, but I hope it's okay that like our, my friend Steve, he's a hunter, but he doesn't like to eat the deer meat. And so Steve showed up one day and he says, hey, do you want some deer meat? And I said, oh yeah, sure, I'll take some deer meat. And it's like, this is how God works in his church and his people is he's going to provide. He is. But anyway, it was funny because Steve showed up and he says, here, I've got some deer meat for you. And I go out to his car and he opens the back. And you know those giant coolers, the one that's like four foot by two foot? But, and so I go out and I'm expecting him to open the cooler and hand me some deer meat. And so he's going and opens the, he opens the trunk and he starts to pull out the cooler. And I just stand there like a bump on a log because I'm like, he's going to hand me. And then he starts pulling the whole cooler out. And I was like, oh. And he's like, here, you're taking this cooler. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I pick it up and it's heavy. And I was like, how, it's like, how much of a deer is in here? And he says, the whole deer. And, he, and he'd had it processed, you know, not like antlers and fur and junk. But I mean, and I open it and this thing is full. This thing is full of deer meat. And I mean, it's probably what, 40, 50, 60 pounds. I don't know. And he's, and I thought we were going to get, I thought he was going to be like, here, have a sausage patty. <laughs> and he was like, no, here's a deer. And I was like, and dude, we've been eating deer, you know? And, and so here's my point, guys, is that I promise you, if you look to the Lord to provide through His church, He provides, man. I promise you. Or the world standard, what I could have done is when Steve said, hey, do you want some deer? I could have said, no, I don't want help. I don't need help. I don't need you. Like I'm my own. No, we'll figure this out on our own. So guys, please rest in that. You need to be ready for what's happening, but that means you got to press into the church. I hope you heard me say that. You need to be ready for what's going to come, but that means you got to press into the church, like Paul and Timothy. That means you have to learn to accept help. That means you have to learn how to say, hey, can someone help me out here? Right? And that may be, honestly, that may be your finances. You may come to the church and say, man, I can't pay my electric bill this month right? It may be a food thing. It may be, dude, I need someone to mow my yard. Or it may be, man, my car's not working. Help me do this. And I promise you, God provides in his church. He does, right? And so no matter what happens, if it gets worse or better, we're equipped. You understand that, don't you? And the world is panicking. Y'all see that? Just pay attention and don't you believe it. Don't you do it. Do what Paul says. He says, continue in what you have learned. That God always provides. Right? Okay, I'm going to try that again. Come on, this isn't, this isn't a Methodist church. Y'all can, you can use your mouth. I know you can, because sometimes y'all won't shut up. I'm going to say that again. God always provides. Right? God has, has, has always provided. He will always 
provide. Are you scared? Are you afraid? We, maybe a little. Man, let that go. God provides, but you got to press into his church. Um, I'll pray for us. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for your church. Lord, thank you for the generosity of, of your church. Um, and I do mean this congregation, but I mean your church across the entire world. God, is that you provide through your people. And that's your plan, is, is that we come together and that we realize, hey, we're not lacking anything. And so, Lord, I pray for some of us that maybe you're in this room and maybe you need to pray for humility to learn to ask for help. Or, or maybe you need to pray for a servant's heart to, to give help. Or maybe you need to pray for um, discernment to learn to say no to some things so you can say yes to this thing over here. And so, Lord, I pray that, that we would rest and know that I, I think hard times are coming. And I think, I think we're going to watch families get stronger. I think we're going to watch men get stronger because that's what hard times do. And I pray that we'd realize that, that you provide, that you have and you will. You always will. And so I pray against fear. Lord, help us to know that we know that we know that you're in control. I don't, I don't care who's in office, which by the way, you put that guy there. Let's not forget that, guys. Yeah, the American people didn't put Joe Biden in office. Uh, the God of the universe put Biden in office, right? And we pray for him, Lord. We pray for our representatives um, in Washington and Austin and everywhere. Lord, we pray for them. I don't want their job. That's what I know. Man, that's a tough job. And Lord, we pray for them. Uh, but we pray, help us to realize they do not control our outcome. They don't. They don't. That's, that's in your hands, Lord. And so I pray against fear, and I pray for freedom. Oh, I pray for freedom and joy and peace, um, and that we would come together further and further and further and further, that we would not isolate ourselves. Everything in the world tells me to isolate myself and be afraid, and it's not true. I've done it. It's, it yields no fruit. This is our prayer, Lord. Amen.